Hi, my name is Sean O'Malley, and welcome back to the official podcast for the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, youth mental health, um, and specifically uh, a new national program that uh, CAMH uh, has developed uh, and partner with, uh, with the Hudson's Bay Company. Um, they have uh, uh, shown uh, a commitment for some time now to uh, the issues that we deal with, so uh, we're very pleased to be partnering uh, with HPC on this initiative, uh, which we uh, call Game Changers. Uh, it'll be a national program that it'll involve uh, youth outreach um, as well as a digital hub. Um, we'll get into that briefly um, in the next few minutes. Uh, I am pleased uh, to be joined uh, by four special guests today. Uh, to my left is uh, Dr. Joanna Henderson. Uh, thank you for joining us, Joanna. Thank you for having me. And uh, now you have so many titles around here. What, what is your preferred title uh, at the moment? Um, senior scientist and director of the Margaret and Wallace McCain Center for Child, Youth, and Family Mental Health. Okay, well, thank you. I'm also joined uh, by uh, M. Hayes. Uh, you are one of our youth uh, engagement um, advisors, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, and I'm also joined by Carly Darnay. You are our youth engagement facilitator, correct? I am a youth engagement coordinator, so I coordinate the program here at KMH. Okay. Uh, and I'm also pleased to be joined uh, by Corey Hirsch. Uh, he is a former uh, NHL goalie. Uh, he is a, a former Olympian uh, as well. Um, uh, back just before they allowed professionals uh, in the uh, in the Olympics, uh, he won a silver medal for Canada uh, at the Lillehammer Games uh, in Norway. Uh, thank you for joining us, Corey. Uh, thank you for having me. Did now. How do you get a title? Can I get a title? You can have a title if you like. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, a washed up old hockey player doesn't really sound like it's <laughs> it's got it fits a on a bar, right? You <laughs> we'll figure that out later. Okay. Sure thing. Um, and the other reason Corey is here um, is for a couple important reasons. Um, one, he uh, wrote a very moving piece uh, in the Players Tribune. I had to look it up. It was actually this year uh, that was, that was yeah, written uh, in January course, yeah, uh, this yeah. year, uh, where uh, Corey opened up um, about um, issues that uh, he had never discussed when they were happening to him during his career, uh, dealing with OCD um, and uh, depression. Uh, the, the other key reason Corey is here is because uh, he is going to be a key uh, ambassador uh, for this program, uh, and he will be fanning out uh, to schools and clubs. Uh, across the country over the next uh, three years um, talking to kids um, where they are uh, about the issues um, that we're talking about here uh, and want to help kids with. Um, so overarching, Joanna, if, if I could start with you. Uh, sorry, I should have called you Dr. Henderson. Is it okay if I called you Joanna? Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Joanna. Um, some of the, the numbers that we find in our annual surveys uh, of uh, Ontario student uh, mental health uh, uh, have been quite alarming. We've been doing this survey for 40 years. We're not used to seeing spikes like this. Uh, but we found just in the last four years, when we talk about uh, what are self-reports of psychological distress uh, among young Canadians, uh, there's been a real spike. Uh, in 2013, 24% of students said that at some time in the last month they had experienced some form of psychological distress. Just in the last four years, that number has gone up from 24% to 39%, uh, which is quite uh, an enormous spike. Um, there, there are some other concerning numbers in there as well uh, that I thought we uh, might address. Uh, one of them being that uh, basically almost one-third of students 
who have been troubled uh, in the last year said that they have wanted to talk to someone about a mental health problem, uh, but did not know where to turn. Uh, so, um, Joanna, I know what. What do you see um, now? We always talk about oh, things are getting worse, but according to these numbers, it it, it seems like they are. Um, I mean, does that coincide with what you see in your practice and in your work? Yes, definitely. Young people are experiencing tremendous levels of pressure, tremendous levels of um, distress, and and really kind of demands on their time, demands on their resources that sometimes exceed what they feel like they have available to them. The, the social media context creates a social context that, that can start from the moment you wake up in the morning and carry right through until when you fall asleep. Um, you go to school and there there's can be quite a demanding environment in terms of academic performance. And after school, you might be rushing off to engage in extracurricular activities that are no longer kind of kicking the ball around on the street, but instead are quite organized, competitive activities that often have a high performance piece. We've also really encouraged young people to start talking. Um, we've had some very significant public campaigns that encourage young people to talk about uh, things that they're experiencing, but we haven't really paired that with support services that allow young people to feel like they can engage in those conversations. And so we have young people who are really kind of, can be having a tough time, can start to talk about having a tough time, and then we don't really have the resources available to them to provide the support they need to have at that moment. And so, so you can really see young people start to become very distressed by sort of being caught in this situation. I mean, my, my view, not as a clinician, is that I do feel, I mean, I, I have a 22-year-old daughter, and, and I do feel that it's just such a different world than the one I lived in when I was in high school. I mean, I, I think, thank God we didn't have Facebook or any of those things, because Lord knows what I would have said or done uh, back in the day. But it seems to me, as a non-clinician, that social media creates this artificial sense that we're, that we're all connected in ways we've never been before. But I sometimes think maybe we're just really not at all, that everyone's connecting from their own bedrooms, but they're not really connecting at all. I remember reading one study that, that talked about how things are changing so quickly that just in the last five years or so that now grade 12 girls are actually going out and meeting friends less uh, often than grade 8 girls did five years ago. Um, it's like social media is making kids unsocial in a funny way. I mean, does that make sense to you? I think we have to be cautious. I think, um, you know, ultimately we really have to think about how how individual youth experience some of these um, contexts because there, there are also individual youth for whom social media has meant the difference between mm -hmm. feeling not connected to anyone and feeling very alone and in fact um, having an enhanced sense of community of feeling like they belong um, so I, I don't you know this is really a multifactorial issue that um, is is going to challenge us uh, social media technology is not going anywhere it's here to stay we need to understand how to support youth in using ways that promote their own health and wellness just like other pervasive aspects of their lives whether that's physical fitness nutrition school engagement with competitive sports, you know, we need to develop as adults ways of modeling for young people how to, how to connect with those things in ways that are healthy. 
So I think one of the things I'm hearing from you is that, yeah, social media is not going away, so perhaps it's an opportunity to use it in, in a different way and perhaps use it to reach out to young people who feel they don't know where to start. Um, so maybe that's where I'll bring you in, Carly, um, because um, other than the, um, the physical going to schools and clubs outreach that Corey is going to be doing over the next few years, we've also developed uh, a digital hub um, to try and, and meet these young people where they are and engage them on that level. Um, could you talk just briefly um, about um, some of the aspects of what we're developing here as, as part of the Game Changers program? Yeah, so our team here is really excited to be involved in this project. Um, so there will be a digital hub, and through the hub, um, there'll be more information about the outreach programs that you're mentioning, um, how to get involved in those, and also it's going to be housing all of the resources that are available that are associated with this project too. Um, so one of the resources that our team is working on right now is um, like a conversation starters um, resource. And so the conversation starters is going to be a document that young people can use if they know someone in their life, a peer, um, like someone that they're in school with, or maybe even like a family member um, that's a young person who may be struggling with a mental health challenge, um, and how to identify um, what that challenge may look like, and if someone is struggling, and then ways um, that you can offer support to that person, um, which may be like yourself reaching out to that person, or looking at other people in your life who may be able to come in and provide you support and that other person support as well. Um, so we're really excited to develop those resources. Um, um, the website is also going to have um, an online survey um, attached to it um, where young people can go onto the website, they can fill the survey and tell us what resources they're interested in accessing so our team can take that information, reach out to other youth too to develop um, more resources that could be helpful for people. And is one of the core purposes of that in terms of the survey so that this program can evolve over time and adapt to the needs of the young people, what you're hearing, you know, that they want? Is, is that part of it that this is sort of be meant to be an evolving fluid yeah. Uh, program? Yeah, so so far um, with the website and the resources that we've been developing, our youth engagement team here has been really involved. So we have um, quite a big group of young people who have already been developing these resources at CAMH. Um, but over time, we really want to be hearing from other young people about the resources they're interested in seeing um, to continuing to have youth develop these resources um, and for it to be evolving because we know like we can house so many things to begin with, but um, like it's going to be an Going project. Now, Em, um, how you, um, part of your role as an advisor here, uh, some of it is based um, on your own lived experience with some of the issues that we're talking about. Uh, how important do you think it is, you know, to be able, I'm thinking of the conversation starter, like speaking to young people in their own language. How important is that for this to be co-created with youth so we are speaking to them on their terms? I <clears throat> excuse me, I personally really think that is the aspect of this campaign that in fact makes it a game changer campaign because it's being developed by youth for youth. We actually are getting the voices of what people may need. And I know like as a young person, I struggled with mental health issues. And if I had had somebody coming and smashing the stigma like Corey will and you know having this document available for us to look at and resources readily available, I think that could have made a very big difference in the length of my mental health and um, the rate at which I would have healed. Um, and so I really think that 
the combination of, as you've said, meeting youth at their level, which is extraordinarily important, and having someone come in and talk about their lived experience um, really will make quite a difference in between this campaign and others that may already exist. And can you relate to that experience of wanting to talk to someone but not knowing where to go or just keeping it all inside? Most definitely. So I was um, a very high achieving student in high school and once I hit my grade 11 year my mental health went in the toilet and I didn't talk to anybody. I ended up actually dropping out of school a number of times and I just wasn't able to communicate because for me personally it was a huge stigma attached to mental illness and I really think that that is what this campaign is addressing and could have made such a difference if someone with lived experience, even an older youth or someone like Corey with lived experience came in and spoke to us would have made quite a difference and also like in retrospect I know that some of my other peers were struggling as well but none of us had the resources or the words to say what we were experiencing. Now Corey it's interesting you know M talks about oh stigma, there was just too much stigma, and we're not talking about a long time ago. Uh, we think we've done right. such a good job at reducing stigma, and we have, uh, but you know, clearly we have a long way to go. Uh, when you wrote your piece, again, it was just earlier this year, um, that was pretty rare territory for a professional athlete, even a retired professional athlete, to talk about uh, your struggles to the extent that you did. Uh, and uh, I noticed even just last month we saw another um, current NHL player, another goalie, I don't know what it is with goalies, uh, who uh, talked about, um, it was a Robert Leonard, I believe it was, or yeah. Patrick Leonard, uh, yeah. I talked very graphically about his, his own experiences with, with addiction uh, and with uh, mental illness. Um, and I remember last year when former Raptor DeMar Rosen did the same thing about his issues with anxiety. Shortly after he did that, uh, another uh, very well-known um, NBA player did the same thing. And he attributed his reason for coming forward to what DeMar DeRozan had did before him. Um, do you, even at this late date, 2018, do you consider yourself almost still a bit of a pioneer when it comes to... Um, discussing openly these kinds of issues? Well, a, a little bit in the sense of the the platform I got and how, how much it exploded, but there's people before me, Sheldon Kennedy, uh, Clint Malarchuk, Clara Hughes, Michael Landsberg. Those are the guys, and the and the, the, the um, Clara female of it, it, that really opened the door for me to be able to tell my story. So you have to give a lot of credit to them. What I give credit to is the Players' Tribune. It was a platform that reached a mass audience really quickly. So that's where you know this kind of whole thing blew up. And um, it's not about it's not about because we're we're professional athletes or you're a celebrity or whatever. It's just the platform is there for us, right? So we're able to use it a little bit more than than somebody else would be. Um, but you know, it's it all comes back to me. It comes back to the youth. It's it comes back to high school, middle school, where um, if someone would have taught me in high school or middle school or whatever, um, I had a promising NHL career, like destroyed by mental health, right? And and um, it didn't have to be that way. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it, that's what really bothers me is is that because it's treated so differently, or it was. I mean, we're in a stage now where it's so much so much better and people feel safe to sh uh, share their stories but um, we're in a, a stage now where people are talking and now it's okay well what do you do with it now but um, 
you know, I was diagnosed probably, you know, after suffering for three, four years of not telling anybody and trying to hang on to an NHL career to the point where um, everything got so severe that my play dropped, everything dropped to the point where, you know, when people were wondering what was going on. I, and I was diagnosed in 45 minutes. Okay, well, I can tell you the exact day where I was, minute, hour, when my mental health um, kind of, I, I guess I use the term, broke. Mm-hmm. So... If I was taught in high school or middle school, you know, what this was or what it was, I could have gotten help the next day. It could have, it doesn't mean that, that you, you, you know, it's just magically cured or gone, but I would have known what it was. I would have known I can go get help and I wouldn't have lost an NHL career over it. So, and there's a lot of other people struggling and it, it's not just being an athlete. It's being, you know, it's being a high school student. It's being, right. I mean, you missed, you missed years of, or days of school and time in school and, um, and it didn't have to be that way. Did you anticipate uh, when you wrote that piece that that you would end up becoming, I mean, now it's a big part of your life, that you would end up becoming um, a mental health advocate in the way that you have? No. I mean, I was terrified when it came out, right, because of the stigma. And I was, uh, but I was at a point where I was like, you know, this has to be done. The story has to be I knew, I knew for a long time that the story needed to be told. I knew from the time that um, I was, when it happened, that one day I would I'd want to, if I ever got better, right, I, I was laying in my bed really couldn't get out of bed could barely tie my shoes and get to practice um, that the story needed to be told and I just didn't know where or how um, and it took 20 years right from the day that that happened to the time I came out with my story so that just goes to show you I hid for another 20 years right because of the stigma and yeah, yeah. I mean that's fascinating and and now um, I mean that audience was for your um, you know professional peers yeah uh, extensively, uh, but now this audience um, is is young Canadians uh, across the country. So why is it so important to you to want to be part of this kind of youth engagement program where you actually go out and talk to kids across the country where they are? Well, because, well, yeah, I want them to know what happened to me happened to them because it's treatable, right? I mean, go get help. It's treatable, right? We don't You don't need to sit and let it fester for four or five more years where it just completely destroys your life until it's too late um that you know you recognize it's it's education it's educating our kids it's it's no different than um the sex education programs or or teaching our kids anything about health and that you know we use the term mental health is health right Mm -hmm. why is mental illness treated differently than than any other illness and it's listening interesting listening to m's stories because i feel like i'm i'm listening to my own story right when she's speaking about about her issues I, i feel like that, well, that was me, right? And and I'm no different than she is, and we're all um, like this. But it's it's long overdue to educate our youth. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to think that you know we can teach them. You, know, you break your leg to go to a doctor and, and go get a cast put on it, and that. But mental health, we don't want to we don't we want to shy away. We don't want to teach them that you go to see a therapist. I think that's uh, you know absolutely r- ridiculous. You wouldn't walk around with a broken leg for three years. Why would you walk around with a mental health issue for? for three years it's treatable you know and it's time to teach our kids that they can reach out and get help um good point and i can't remember if it was in your tribune article but uh, you once talked about how you you thought of actually you know breaking one of your bones as oh yeah a way to I mean, get help you get desperate right you get desperate because you don't want people to know what's going like it, there was such a shame and a, an embarrassment and a stigma attached to it that i was starting to deteriorate and and i could tell that people around me were starting to notice too right so I mean, you become you become a master, uh, you become an excuse maker. Well, why were you late for practice? Why were you late for this? Why were you late? When really you're just struggling to get out of bed, 
Um, so what happens is, is uh, you know, you need an excuse to kind of, so nobody really kind of figures out what's going on, right? And you end up, you end up hiding, and you end up, um, you end up not wanting people to know what's because you're ashamed. Of, there's a mental health issue, but there's nothing to be ashamed of, um, and that's really what we're we're trying to teach people is is that you have zero to be ashamed of. We all have mental health. Um, issues and um, like Dr. Henderson has said, we're 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 up at spiked. I mean, you know, it's time to, it's time to end this. And and part of the reason, and this is, I'll, I'll leave you with this, is that um, the reason I would like to talk to the youth and get out to the youth is because my generation has started the conversation finally. Right? It's their generation that's going to end the stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, if I could put it bluntly in a statement, that's really what it's all about. Uh, last question for you, Corey, uh, before we wrap up. Um, I've heard a lot of advocates talk about how they they get as much from the people that they're helping as uh, as they are, are giving in terms of trying to provide that help. I mean, do you find that, you know, talking to young people has, has helped give you insight into your own life? Uh, absolutely. I have a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, and a 13-year-old, and we talk about mental health from the time. I, I, it's been an open subject in mind because I knew what had happened with me. And sure enough, um, one of my kids came to me when they were 15, and I'm like, Dad, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling with something, and we went and got them um, help, and they're fine. Never get to the place that I got to, right? So it's getting it in the homes. It's, it's teaching the parents to let their kids know that they can reach out and talk to the parents, and then not being ashamed of them and, and listening without judgment um, and just... Uh, you know, helping them. This is your child, right? They're, they're struggling. They're suffering. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Go out and get them some help. Well, well, thank you for coming here, Corey, and thank you for agreeing to be such a core part um, of this program. Um, thank you, the rest of you, Dr. Henderson, uh, M. Hayes, uh, Carly, thank you all for coming. And, uh, yeah, the program is called uh, Game Changers, uh, developed by CAMH in partnership um, with the Hudson's Bay Company. And yeah, by all means, go to our digital hub uh, to uh, ask about um, you know poten- having Corey potentially come to your uh, school or your club, uh, wherever you may be in the country, um, and go to our digital hub. And uh, by all means, see the resources we have there for you. And uh, and the you know the more you uh, get involved in this, um, you know the, the the more effective this will be uh, for everybody concerned. You can check it all out through our website at camh.ca backslash game changers. I'm Sean O'Malley. Thank you for listening to the CAMH podcast.